easy. But you know, it does seem like Christmas comes faster and faster with every passing year. But we enjoy Christmas. We love Christmas because Christmas is a time of giving. And we enjoy that. We enjoy a time of giving. We love giving gifts, but we also love receiving gifts. We enjoy touching other people's lives, but we also enjoy being touched by the life of other people as they demonstrate their love to us. Well, if you haven't guessed, it's Christmas time. And I've begun my Christmas series, and it's entitled... The Christmas Touch. Have you ever seen this painting? Brother Hal, give me that next slide. You ever seen that painting before? Miss Francis, you ever seen that painting? Miss Francis has seen that painting in the flesh, amen? Uh, I was quizzing her about this. Uh, this painting is actually a close-up of a much, much larger painting that's on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel at the Vatican in Italy. And this painting is called The Creation of Adam. I actually have a, a pretty large portrait or lithograph of this painting that I hang in my office. And the focus point of this painting is where the hand of God and the hand of Adam have just touched. And this painting reminds me of all the ways that God touches my life. It reminds me of all the ways that he touches your life. But it reminds me especially this time of year, the way that God touched the life of all humanity. In this series this year, we're going to discover firsthand how God came wrapped in a gift of flesh and he touched the lives of several biblical characters. We're going to delve into their stories and we're going to see how they witnessed this incredible event that changed the whole world. But first, before you see how it changed their lives, you need to see how God touched you. Have you ever yearned for that life-giving touch from God? Have you ever wanted God just to stretch out his hand and touch your life, to touch you right where you were? Maybe you were depressed, struggling. Maybe you were exhausted and felt like you were just getting ready to give it all up. Maybe life was just so busy and it felt like the world was just caving in on you. You knew what you needed. You needed the life-giving touch of God. I want you to think about something this morning. The touch of God is evident all around you. The touch of God is evident in creation. As you know, this year we went from summer part two to winter part one in about 45 days. Amen? It was 99 degrees October 1st, 
and it was 18 degrees last Tuesday. What happened to fall? Amen? But you know what? The leaves are turning now. And as I come to church up Highway 99, it really touches my soul to see all the beautiful reds and oranges and golds, all those leaves that are turning different colors. It's amazing what God has done. How about your ability to taste food? You had to know if I was preaching a sermon, at some point it was going to get back around to food, amen? But what about your ability to taste food? You know, when I begin thinking about next Sunday's Thanksgiving dinner, uh, I feel like my little dog that I used to have, her name was Gracie, and every time I started talking about a treat, she was spinning around doing tricks. I mean, she was all about it. She was excited, right? That's how I feel about next Sunday, amen? Uh, just ask me, I'll do a trick for you, amen? <laughs> but what about all of our body systems? Think about this. This one blows me away, especially this one, amen? Y'all got that one down, don't you? Amen, that's a good system right there. But what about your nervous system, your circulatory system, your muscular system, your respiratory system, your skeletal system, all of those things working together at the same time. Don't tell me that ain't God. Amen? How about the shelter that God has given you? No, it may not be your dream home, but you have to admit that what God's given you meets your needs. I'm thankful for my home. You see, God is evident all around us. And he's evident in your personal life as well. The question is, do you see him? Do you see him? The fact of the matter is this. God is with us. God is with us. That phrase that we know is the title of Jesus Emmanuel, God with us, is a truth we cannot miss, especially at this time of year. God is with us. Right now, he's with us. At this very moment, God is with us. In this very place, God is with us. So today, we're going to talk about that about how God touched us. And I'm actually going to be preaching from Psalm chapter 23, that, that great psalm about midway through, because Psalm 23 gives us three touches of God, three touches of God that will give us a better understanding of Emmanuel, God, with us. So if you want to look in the Bibles in front of you, it's on page 491. I'd love for you to follow along with me. But in Psalm 23, page 491, you probably already know this psalm, but I'm going to read it exactly how it's written. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me, before my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Say it with me. Forever. The first touch of God as we see it there is that he shepherds us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Do you have any idea how much of a privilege it is to have a God that wants to guide you through life? I've always thought of my calling as a pastor not to be really a shepherd. There's only one, amen. I thought of my calling as a pastor not even to be an under-shepherd. I think of my calling as a pastor to be more of a, a lead sheep. Amen? Just a lead sheep. Now, in case you think that being compared to a sheep is a really cool thing, uh, let me let you in on something. Sheep ain't smart. And it's not just the sheep of the flock that aren't so bright. On my way to church, there's a pasture where there are many sheep grazing but instead of a sheepdog to lead the sheep, to guide the sheep, and to protect the sheep, you are not going to believe what's there. And, and, the, and the irony is incredible, so I don't want you to miss this. Instead of a sheepdog, they've got a mule or a donkey. I don't know how you tell the difference. So what does it take to be a lead sheep. I'm going to let you put one to one together. And if you need help with that, you get with me after church. But you can honestly say, my pastor is a real. Bless him. Now, it may be helpful to have a lead sheep. But I want you to tell, I'm going to tell you something this morning. It is an absolute privilege to have the great shepherd who wants to lead you, who wants to guide you through life, and who wants to protect you from all the things that want to attack you in this life. And listen, the great shepherd, God himself, he'll lead you the right way if you will follow. See, that's the problem. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. He wants to protect us. But we won't follow him nine times out of ten, it seems. Now, I've read that it's been said, if you don't change your direction, you may end up where you're headed. If you don't change directions, you may end up where you're headed. But the truth is, we don't know where we're headed. 
We don't know where we're going, but God does. So we need a shepherd to lead us, to guide us, and to protect us. He gives us directions many ways. He gives us directions, of course, through his word. He gives us a means of communicating him when we don't know the way through prayer. He also gives us a way to get help when you've lost your way through the church. Without direction, we're just kind of going at it all alone. Without direction, one thing I can guarantee you is you're going to get in trouble. Can I get an amen on that one? Amen. I've been there. But the bottom line is this. You don't have any reason to be caught without a shepherd. That's the very reason that Jesus came. Jesus fulfills my need for a shepherd. He fulfills your need for a shepherd that will lead you, guide you, and protect you. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So Jesus has reached out and he's touched you and I by being our shepherd. And he will guide you. He will lead you and he will protect you if you'll follow. God touches us by being a shepherd. But the second touch of God is is that he also settles us. Notice there in verse 3, God restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through that valley. How many of y'all been in a valley? You've been in a valley, and yet you're here to testify that you ain't in the valley. Amen. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? You are with me, praise God. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, God wants you to know peace in your life. There is nothing worse in life than not having any peace. There was Almost two decades of my life where I had no peace. And the reason I had no peace is because I wasn't following the good shepherd. Maybe you can testify to the same. You know, I read about a missionary who was serving in the violent and battle-ridden Middle East. And she shared something that reminded her of how much God wants you to have peace. Uh, how, reminded her of how much God cares for his people, for his sheep. And the way that she saw it was she was watching a shepherd caring for his flock near an area where gunshots were going off left and right. Well, every single time that shots rang out, the sheep would scatter, scared to death. And the shepherd would gently touch each one of them with his staff. 
And the sheep would eventually settle down and they would gather back together because they felt the protecting touch of their shepherd. But then another shot rang out. And guess what the sheep did? They scattered again. And once again, the shepherd would have to touch each sheep and reassure them, and they would gather back together as a flock. Friends, events come into your life that turn your world upside down. Events happen that change your world, hardship, sorrow, brokenheartedness, loss, betrayal, heartache. And it's during these situations that God wants to be your shepherd. He wants you to come to the good shepherd and receive that that you need. When you feel weak, don't run from him. When you feel weary, don't run from the shepherd. When you're feeling like your world is caving in, don't run from the shepherd. When you feel forsaken, don't run from the shepherd. Run to the shepherd. He is there for you. He wants you to know that he is there for you. Our shepherd reaches out with his staff and he touches us to remind us, hey, Everything's going to be okay. He's still there. He wants you to know, I'm still right here. I haven't gone anywhere. Your turmoil, your problems haven't changed the fact that I'm still here. I'm still here to protect you. Because whether you know it or not, it's the presence of God that pulls you through the difficult situations in life. When you think about that valley that you acknowledged, can I tell you, you didn't get through that valley alone. The great shepherd brought you through that valley. I was reminded of a first grader who was sharing a speech with his classroom, and the title of the speech was, What I Want to Be When I Grow Up. And this little boy said, I'm going to be a lion tamer. And my cage is going to be filled with fierce lions. And I'm going to walk into that cage and they're going to roar. And then he started thinking about what he said and he added, but my mommy's going to be with me. <laughs> That's the wonderful promise. That's the wonderful promise of this psalm. No matter what you face, friend, you can be absolutely confident that your God is with you if you're his sheep, if you're his child. And then we reach the pinnacle of this psalm. In the middle of verse 4, the high point of this psalm comes, for it says, psalmist said, for you are with me. No matter what I face, whether it be death or hunger or any kind of struggle, he recognizes that God is with him. 
And you need to know that as well. That God is here through every one of your difficult situations. Nothing scares God away. But this is also the message of Christmas. That God is with us. You see, it's the presence of Jesus that brings us this peace we want. You remember what the angels told those shepherds? They said, the birth of the Savior Jesus is at hand. You know, Christ the Lord. And then after they said that, suddenly a multitude of angels began to praise God out loud, saying, glory to God in the highest on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. Of all the things I've needed in my life, number one had to be peace. And it's Jesus that brought that for me. God's ultimate goal for you, God's ultimate goal for me in sending his son Jesus is so that you might know peace. The peace that comes with God's presence. So God's touch shepherds us, certainly settles us, but the third touch of God is he satisfies us. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord, you said it, forever. By Jesus and through the Holy Spirit of God, the authority of Scripture tells you and I that God fills us with his presence now and forever. All the days of your life now and forever into all eternity. Surely, goodness and mercy, surely God's love and goodness will follow you all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. God wants his presence to be with you permanently all your life, all your abundant life, and all your eternal life. You see, you may not know this. But if you're a child of God, you're born twice and die once. Now, you don't have any choice about your first birth, but you do have a choice about being born again. And if you're not a child of God, if you're not born again, if you have not made that choice, then you're born once but you die twice, both physically and spiritually. But I want you to know this morning, that is not what God wants for you, but he will not force you to do anything against your will. He desires you to be in his presence now and forever. And it's Jesus. It's always Jesus, isn't it? It's always Jesus. Jesus is the one that assures us of God's permanent presence. Do you remember what Jesus said as he prepared to ascend into heaven? 
He said to his disciples, And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's now and forever. He wants to be with you always. You see, nothing can separate a believer from the love of God. You remember what Paul said. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from that love. Friend, that's the privilege that we get when we're touched by Jesus. Permanent presence. You know, I read that there's two reasons why the day after Thanksgiving is called Black Friday. One is, is the obvious, because retailers have their highest profits of the year. And many are able to pull out of the red and get into the black on Friday. But the second reason it's called Black Friday is because often the Christmas spirit is blackened. We've all heard reports of shoppers being trampled trying to get into a store. Shoppers getting injured trying to get out of a store. I think that's just another reason why you ought to shop online, amen, so you don't get trampled. But you've heard about people fighting over overpriced gifts. Many people get frustrated and angry and exhibit other Scrooge-like symptoms, road rage, drastically increases. I just want you to know that ain't me. Amen. But as Christians, let us not lose touch of the reason for the season. It's when God reached down to touch you so that you could be in his presence now and forever. Jesus became flesh in order to touch us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father full of grace and truth. That's the ultimate touch, amen? Huh? Amen. Amen. God became flesh and rubbed shoulders with humanity. How about that? He wanted to touch you. But isn't it ironic to you that at a time when Christ's light should shine the brightest, it's often dimmed. If we respond harshly to difficulties and to difficult people, guess what? God's light ain't going to shine through you. If we lose a sense of God's transforming touch, y'all, I'm just here to tell you, God's light ain't going to shine through you. If you take this wonderful season for granted, 
Ain't no way God's light's going to shine through you. If you don't worship God with all your heart, there ain't no way God's light's going to shine through you. So let's dedicate ourselves to be the light. Amen? To be the light. To Bethel light. Y'all get that, right? To be the light this Christmas. Why don't we take the initiative to show the world that we live in that Christ has touched us? Let's respond to the touch of God by touching other people. I believe that you agree with me on this this morning. And so we're going to begin with us. As our deacons come forward to prepare the Lord's Supper, we're going to begin this morning by giving thanks to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by remembering that he came to touch us and to give us the sacred gift of his body and his blood. Y'all can go ahead. As your deacons prepare to distribute this, you're going to notice that the Lord's Supper is just a hair different than what it has been in the past. They're going to be distributing the bread and the cup at the same time. You're going to get two cups. In the bottom cup is your piece of bread. The top, obviously, is your juice. So what I want you to do is I just want you to take your juice cup and put it in that pew holder that's in front of you there. And just wait for everybody to be served, and then we'll all begin together, okay? Let's pray. Father God, we praise you and thank you for the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And now, Lord, during this sacred time, Father, we pray that the gift, the sacred gift of your son Jesus would truly have an incredible impact on our lives. Lord, let it be for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said.
1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27, we're given some very, very strict instructions. Paul said to this church, whoever eats of this bread or drinks of this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Therefore, let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. As we pray here in a second, I just want you to do some self-analysis, some self-examination, because you certainly don't want to be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So whatever you need to do to get right with God, you do that, okay? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us like you do. Lord, thank you so much for the grace that you have afforded us and the blessings that you have poured out on us through Jesus Christ. Father, I pray in his name, Lord, that we would examine ourselves right now. Father, that your Holy Spirit would point out the things in our life that needs to change so that we can glorify you like you so richly deserve. Father, bless this examination. Bless this cleansing. And make us ready to receive that which you've given us. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The Bible also says in verse 26, As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I wondered, how do we proclaim the Lord's death? Well, I believe that we do so uh, in two ways. Two great Bible truths really uh, reveal to us how we can proclaim the Lord's death. One is we remember the necessity of the Lord's death. See, his death was necessary because every one of us have sinned. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it was also necessary because of sin's deadly, deadly consequences. You see, the wages of sin is death, spiritual Everlasting death. But his death was also necessary because it was the only remedy for sin. Paul said to the church, I declare to you the gospel good news by which you are also saved. That Christ died for your sins just like the scriptures said. And he was buried and that he rose again on the third day just like the scriptures said. But finally, his death was also necessary. Because his death was the only acceptable sacrifice. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9 that it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Brother Harold, if you would, would you come and give thanks for Christ giving his body for our sacrifice? Let's pray, please. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning, Lord, just thanking you for being that shepherd, Lord, that yes. you shepherd us each day, Lord. Lord, we ask you to bless this morning our, the bread that is symbolic of your body that suffered, bled, and died on mm -hmm. the cross that we might have life and have it more abundant. Lord, we ask you now to forgive our sins. Mm -hmm. Save us in heaven, for it's in your name that we pray. Amen.
Amen. Verse 23, Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We proclaim the Lord's death not only by remembering the necessity of the Lord's death, but also remembering the blessings that come to us from the Lord's death. Consider these. You can be forgiven of your sins. Is that not awesome? Say it's awesome. In him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches and grace of God. We also can be redeemed by God. The Bible says you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. You can be justified by God, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Christ. And finally, we can receive eternal life with God. That being justified by his grace, we can be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Brother Kevin will come and thank the Lord now for giving his blood to cover the multitude of our sin. Let us pray. Lord, Father God, Lord. We come, we come before you now, Lord, just grateful, humble, Lord. Mm. Lord, for the blood that you shed for us, Lord, that, Lord, you gave that sacrifice for us, Lord, that we can go forth. Lord, that you covered us, Lord. Mm. Lord, that we can go forward and we can see eternal life. Lord, we thank you and so grateful for all that you do, Lord. Lord, lead us and guide us in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. In verse 25, the Bible says, In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Friend, after such an incredible ordinance like the Lord's Supper, there's always room for a decision. God is always faithful to point out those things in our lives that need to change. You know them, I don't. But God knows them and you know them. So today's decision time is an opportunity for you. It's an opportunity for you, yes, to remember what Jesus has done for you, but also to respond to what Jesus has done for you in giving his own life. So as our praise team comes forward to prepare for decision time, let's pray together. Father, we do remember this, the gift, the gift of life, the gift of abundant life, and the gift of eternal life that you have made available to us through the body and blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, where would we be without our Jesus?
Well, we'd be lost, eternally separated from you, with no hope. So, Lord, we thank you once again for setting your son on mission to come down to earth, to rub shoulders with humanity and provide us with the opportunity to make a decision to give our lives to you. Lord, I pray for the one that is considering placing their faith in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage and the wherewithal to take that first step of faith, reminding them that if they'll take the first step, you'll take all the rest. Father, thank you again for the incredible sacrifice of the only begotten Son of God. He's our Jesus. But before he was ours, he was yours. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for first loving us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Jesus' name we ask it, and all God's people said. Amen. Amen.